You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, and we're back again with another awesome, massive guest. Um, she has almost half a million followers on Instagram. Her podcast has gotten over 8 million downloads. At the age of 25, she was a seven-figure entrepreneur. I've been following her since the early days and the start of my coaching business, and I actually did one of her courses um, when I first started out, which is all about content creation. So really excited to have her on and have a chat to her about her journey, her evolution over the last several years. Um, and this episode is all about the sustainable path to growing your business to seven figures with Amanda Bucci. Welcome to the Luke Page Podcast. I am here to inspire people to live a life that they love. It's why I do what I do. Join me on the pursuit of my last vision and my own business success through meeting amazing business owners, entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking people that are here to make impact and change the world. Thanks for coming on, Amanda. I've actually been um, I've been following you for like since I started my coaching business, which was like three and a half years ago. Wow, um, that's crazy! Very cool. I love that. I was, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's it it it's I don't know. Like I was I was thinking yesterday. I'm like, why did I start following you? Um, mm. and I was like, because do you for one, you look like Helen Hunt. Do you ever get that? I I think I might have once or twice but people don't usually tell me I look like someone but that's very specific one I might have got her once <laughs> yeah I mean Helen Hunt's from the 90s yeah so she's yeah. not really around these days that's true so I'm like I oh, there's that um but then what you were talking about that's what really stood out to me with you because like you were what I found is that you were just you're talking about things that um like for example in your relationship you weren't in a monogamous relationship i think possibly it was you you're talking to like that you would you know you you used to take mushrooms or something like that i don't know if that was you but i'm I'm just like (laughs) this is cool and i'm like i'm not used to kind of people talking because like we this is this is stuff that we all do right but i found that say through instagram people were really like okay there's my personal life, but then this is my business front. Yeah, yeah and totally. That's what that's what grabbed me with you, and I started following. I actually did your um, I think it was your, is it codes of content? Yeah, yeah, that's a long time yeah. ago. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, cool. I did that. That was like one of my first courses in this thing. So it's awesome. really cool speaking to you now because um, you know, it's just been so like it's been years and years and years. Um, you know, we've both evolved. And it's probably one of the things that I wanted to speak to you about is, um, you know, your evolution in a business owner as a person. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, What I've witnessed with yourself is that you were like in health and fitness. So health and fitness coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you got into like business. Um, And it seemed to be like at the start it was, and this is when I was like, say, doing your course. It seemed to be more external stuff. So a lot of your content was, hey, here's how to, you know, here's, here's how to get more engagement with your um your content. Uh, here's how to get more followers. It's like real external stuff. Um, and then mm-hmm. it seems like you've transitioned now to you're still helping business owners, um, but there's a huge focus on the internal stuff. Yeah. Um, what would you say has shifted your philosophies in how you approach business and how you coach your clients? 
Yeah, I love all the things that you've said so far. And there's definitely some places that I could start. But just that that first place that you talked about around, um, you know, you initially started following me and then saw that I was blurring those lines between personal life and business life and having that storefront or that just more professional front that people had just a couple years ago, I think things are changing a lot in the online space and more and more people are blurring those lines. And then there's also becoming some additional layers to the way people, content creators or business owners or influencers just show up to their space. And Mm -hmm. I think what shifted for me was you know, I'm in my 20s, I'm 29 now. And when I first started on YouTube and Instagram, I was 21. And those last, my whole 20s was done in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And I grew and I evolved and I went on a spiritual journey. And I've just learned so many things. And I've gained so many skills, just trying to navigate my life, right? Like, that's why we learn and gain skills, whether it's starting a business, because most people or many people want to start a business so they can become more free from the rigidity of maybe the corporate space. And then some people learn, okay, the stability of the corporate space is really great, but I maybe went all the way into entrepreneurship. And I think what we're seeing now online is people that have been online, not just for the first year or the second year, but a lot of us have been online for years and years and years and have gone through many iterations of who we are. And that has required a lot of content creators and business owners to shift and evolve their brands, which is a, is a strange, interesting and challenging thing. And mm. for me, it w- it felt very much so like I had to be really devoted to my personal life experience. And that meant that I was just not forced to, but it was really important for me to have that match my out, my outward experience. And it, for so many content creators and business owners, I think it feels really limiting and suffocating even to keep, I I talk about this in my new book, it's coming out next year and maybe we can do another podcast about that later, but I call it like your avatar your your mm. persona sorry you're you know at luke page or at amanda bucci and right. that you're feeding it all the time and it, people come to expect something of you and that's what they follow you for they follow you for the thing that they once got and when you change they have to just reorient themselves to you and some people stay and some people go and it's just really interesting challenging thing and i think that just speaking about those challenges that content creators face that I faced has been something that I've connected with a lot of people on. And I know that the clients that I work with now really are, are focused on that experience and not just getting the thing that they think they want or achieving the outcome or the results, but they want to do those things while also being able to talk about like, Hey, I'm kind of struggling with the fact that I once talked about this thing and now I'm talking about these things and it's not resonating and landing or I'm pivoting or some people like it or some people hate me or I'm confused or I want to take a break or I want to keep going. And there's just so many things that are happening in our inner worlds at any given time that I think it Mm. is an inevitable um, conversation that's going to keep being had more and more and more in the coming years. 
Awesome. What's it like? Everyone, you know, that's um, kind of starting out or doesn't have a huge audience. What they're wanting is that big audience, right? Now, you've yep. got a big audience. What's the um, what's a couple of the great things about having a large audience, but also what's the downside of having a large audience? Yeah, I think that's a great question. The downsides of having a large audience are that not everyone's going to understand you and you've got to figure out how to be okay with that. There's also like when you have a smaller audience or when you have um, less eyeballs on you, it, it mm. there's an inherent like lower amount of pressure. I remember just, you know, obviously I, I don't have a small audience right now, but in the early stages, it felt a little bit easier to do things that had what felt like lower stakes. And now with a, a bigger audience, things are just higher stakes, right? Like there's just more, uh, it, it matters a little bit more, especially now in like the post COVID era, there's just a lot more social responsibility that people with platforms have. No one can really hide from politics at this point. And it's, it's almost required to be really just transparent about where you stand on certain things and, you know, influencers or business owners that have a platform or a big audience are being um, challenged, I would say, to have just more of that responsibility because the things that we say do impact people in such a big way. So I think yeah. that there's just a level of like, leadership and responsibility that can be a challenge for a lot of people and when you're still figuring yourself out and when you're still navigating exactly what it is that you want to do it can be really great to have a small audience and it can be really helpful to have this like intimate group of people that you can do your thing with and that you can kind of adjust and change and I think that either way it's it's just a different experience and it's mm. just a different way of relating to, you know, how, how is it going to feel for me, regardless of what size of audience I have to do the things that I got to do. And I think yeah. audience size and visibility is like so in important for people to obviously build their community and get the clients and customer base that they're really looking for and for their businesses to be successful. And it's not to say that it's not important, but it's really like on a marketing level, there's varying levels of importance to the size of your audience because you could have um, you could have a, a very full customer base and a very full business with a smaller audience, but then there's a whole different thing to like visibility or fame. Right, yeah. So like what, um, where are you building your audiences at the moment? So obviously you're on Instagram, um, where yeah. else? Yeah, so... It's, it's interesting. Over the years, I've built my audience in lots of different places. I started off on Instagram and I've had Instagram and I've used Instagram as my pl primary platform for seven or eight years now. Mm. In the earlier days, I also had a YouTube channel and I don't use YouTube anymore. When I pivoted from being a fitness influencer and fitness coach to being in the business space, YouTube was a lot more challenging to make that pivot primarily because there's just a deeper relationship with those people. And I have like 450 videos on that channel in a very particular niche and changing just, it felt like steering a ship that was a little bit too heavy. So, so that was exists. with the fitness, was it? Yeah. Fitness. Fit, yeah. It was, it was vlogs of my fitness competitions, my bodybuilding right. shows, my yeah. food and, and all that stuff. 
And um, so it exists and I might reactivate it one day or I I might start a new YouTube (laughs) channel one day, but who knows? Um, I also have had a podcast. I ended up pausing my podcast after 225 episodes just for the pure sake of writing a book and starting a second company and having a little Mm. bit, being a little bit too spread thin, but I'm planning on reactivating that one day. Um, TikTok is new. I love TikTok. I'm building there. It's a very easy, fun place to be. And then I also have an email list that I email to Mm. all the time. I just want to quickly jump in and talk about a program of ours called The Leading Coach, which helps coaches grow a six-figure-a-year business organically. Now, if you're a coach and you're currently making, on average, between zero and $5,000 a month, and you want to learn how to get more clients and take your business to the next level, and you've been following us for a little bit and you just love our style and our approach and what we're all about, then right now you can join the waiting list to The Leading Coach. Now, we only open up enrollments to TLC a few times a year. So um, by joining the waiting list, basically you'll be put on a notification list and be notified of when we open the doors next. And you'll also be one of the first that gets access to the Leading Coach program page, which includes all the details about what's in it, what it includes, and all the information so you can make a decision um, about whether the program is exactly what you need or not. Uh, So the link to join the waiting list is lukepage.com.au forward slash TLC. I'll also pop that link in the show notes as well. So anyway, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I'm like TikTok. I'm struggling on TikTok. I um, we started like <laughs> at the start of the year, and um, cool. I don't know what the hell's going on, but uh, I I posted a, like a a video a video about dog which went viral, and um, oh, I, I don't know. I got all followers <laughs> that obviously like dogs, yeah. So they're kind of yeah. like expecting more dog stuff, and then I'm. <laughs> talking about oh, no. you know, talking about coaches they're obviously not yeah. loving it and i'm i've just i spoke to some tiktok expert and i've just started a new account um yeah fair yeah, it's, TikTok, it's weird when you like, go viral what the hell's going on yeah yeah so, just when you go viral for something not in your niche it's it's then yep. a strange thing because you're like these people don't give a shit about what i'm saying <laughs> mm. what's um what's your thoughts on facebook have you ever really been a part of facebook um, and what's your thoughts of Facebook now? Because it was t- it's like everyone was leaving Facebook, right? Um, yeah. What's your view on Facebook? Do you have a view? Uh, I, I have. I think that everything can work for everybody. Like I know a lot of people, and a lot a lot of people are using Facebook groups still. I think the structure of Facebook groups is so specific that not a lot of other platforms have been able to top that or to like duplicate that. And Mm. so many people use it for their businesses and for marketing. And I think a lot of people use it for community. I don't use it. I thought it was for me. It's just like one too many. It wasn't really where I was putting my energy. I wasn't excited about it. Um, Obviously, people use it for ads and things. But I think you kind of have to pick your battles when it comes to how many platforms you choose to be on because it is a lot. Mm. So what I'm hearing from you is basically if someone's listening, go, oh, should I be on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube? It's like we have to uh, basically pick something where we can really be showing up. And if we can manage that with yeah. two platforms, awesome. If we can do it with three. But if you can only do one, that's the main thing is pick something that you can really be showing up for it. Um, yeah. You did like a post, uh, and this is what I originally wrote, reached out to you about, um, about a month ago. And you were talking about the two sides of business, the two like drivers, which were... 
what was it, mechanics and embodiment. Can you explain a little yeah. bit about the two, the differences between the two, and maybe give us some like specific examples? Yeah, that's 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 great. Um, I like that you you liked that post, and it was it was interesting because it's it's something that has really helped me understand what are the things that I have to put my energy towards and focus on and mm. where are the people online who are talking about business missing something. And for me, I was really missing about how to learn about how to be a good business owner and what I felt like when I was doing all of the business things. So just getting to the mechanics part, mechanics are like anything that you think about when you think about how to run a business operations, how to do social media, um, strategy plans, actually delivering on your offer, customer service, finance, anything that actually helps the business start, grow, scale, operate, run, deliver. And they're like the, the more functional movers and drivers of the actual company itself. Embodiment is okay, so let's just say I want to do a TikTok strategy and I learn from a TikTok expert and this TikTok expert tells me to do X, Y, and Z things. But for some reason, I just hate TikTok. I don't like how I feel <laughs> when I'm creating videos. It doesn't match my mm. humor. I'm a words person or something like that. And I am just feeling like I have to do something that it doesn't match for me or there's some sort of feeling that I'm missing that it's, I know that other people have it, but maybe I don't have it. And everybody has those feelings. And sometimes I know for me anyway, before I learned about or thought about what my, how my inner world was relating to business, I always just thought you had to just suck it up because that's what running a business requires. And you just have to do these things and you have to do ads and you have to do um, scaling and you have to do masterminds or any of the things that it seems as though are important to do to make things happen. And with so much information online right now, and people are just like, man, I just want to figure out how to make my business run effectively. And I just want to make the money I want to make. And I want to figure out all the answers. It feels like you have to follow the steps of the people that are saying, this is how you do it. And yeah. when in reality, what I've come to learn in the way that I like to teach my clients now is, hey, people teach strategies that work for them and they teach things because there is a process to a lot of things. And also, whoever you are as a person is going to relate to that differently from however they are as a person. Maybe they don't have kids. Maybe they have like a natural inclination for educating and speaking versus writing and coaching. Maybe they're a really structural person and maybe you're a really flowy person. And you got to just contextualize strategies and things that you learn to who you actually are. Mm, that's a good one. So do you think that's how, should that be the how we choose a coach or a program that we've got to really, because say for example, like, you know, you, if you buy into what I do, like I, um, you know, I've got a sales background. I'm big on video, but then say, for example, someone isn't like that. They're more inward. They kind of like to mm -hmm. write. They don't like to show their face. Do you think that's a probably a good indicator on who you should be following and buying into? Do you really relate to their philosophy and their style and how they go? Yeah, about I think so. Um, something that I think is, is helpful to understand is more of more of being able to be self-aware enough to know that this is what this person's saying because it resonates with them 
and I can learn from them. And just because someone is more inward doesn't mean that doing video and doing maybe your philosophy isn't going to help them. Because sometimes we got to do the things that we don't really love. And there's going to be this balance of, I don't really love that, but it's going to be really good for my business. Another good example, when I've, I wrote my book in this last year and it's coming out next year, it's 73,000 words. And the thing that <laughs> is, is really challenging for me or that I had to really learn how to do, even though I really want to write my book, I'm really good at creative ideas and, and concepts and philosophy and philosophical psychological conversations but what is really hard for me is to sit down and do the research and to gather examples and to make sure i have a story that matches each each concept and information organizing basically and i was like if i'm going to write this book i need to learn that skill so even though maybe it's a little challenging or takes a lot of effort or i don't totally love that I'm going to learn it anyway. So I think it's more about just being self-aware enough to know, all right, I have decided for me that these are the things that I want to move my business forward. And maybe I'm not super skilled at them or I'm more weak in them. So I would hire someone who is better at those things than I am. It's also possibly helpful to hire someone who's more similar to you so you can see a better model for someone who's like you doing something that is successful. And I have a lot of clients who are similar to me and very opposite of me, and they hire me for different reasons because some yeah. of them are trying to gather the the skills and the energy that maybe they don't embody as much. And the other people are trying to see a, a model or an archetype for something that they can kind of see themselves in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you saying that, that's, that's, um, that's now bringing me back to why one of the reasons why I followed you when because I, I was working in the coaching industry before I started my business and majority of I, I coach clients in our programs majority of mm-hmm. the clients I had were male and I tended yeah. to attracted male clients and I was like when I started my own business I was like I know I kind of want like a bit of a different feel and I'm like I want to work with more yeah. females so I'm like I need to learn like from female coaches and that's like one of the reasons why because normally I always buy from guys because that's just who I relate to yeah but I'm like you know what I need to kind of get it get an insight and a feel of what it's like to work around women Mm -hmm. so there you go um what was the question come up just before um what what about when someone um someone where how do you know the difference between when like you you should push through and do something compared mm. to maybe this is not right for me? Because I think there's a lot of confusion yeah. around that. People are like, especially in growing their business, so like this fear comes up and they kind of use the excuse that, hey, maybe this is not right for me. My intuition yeah. saying no, uh, I'm not in flow, that type of thing. Right. What do you say to people like that where it's like, how do we know where, hey, this, get it? This is uncomfortable and basically every step forward in our business that we haven't been to is going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. How do we dis- like decipher the difference between that we should be doing this compared to now nah, this is wrong for us? Yeah, that's a great question because it's not always an easy answer and there's, there's plenty to learn there. One thing that I learned that really helped me understand is when something is right for you, there's probably going to be fear there because you're going to have to confront some sort of 
part of yourself that maybe is vulnerable or you're kind of, you're expanding into a bigger version of yourself. Let's just say it's start a podcast and have it be on video and have it be on YouTube. You could, you could say that maybe there's fear around getting on YouTube also because of how you look on camera or what someone's going to think about you. And that fear is protecting you from your vulnerability, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong for you. It's, it's a step into like an expansion of yourself and there's plenty to think about there, but if it feels like on the other side of doing it, it's expansion, even though it might feel like contraction right away, that might be an interesting thing to just play out and see all right, if I really do this and I get through the fear and I get through my levels of resistance, you might have stories, narratives, um, you might have parts of your brain that have these logical like, oh, I can't do that because it's not going to work and all of these things. Just know that those are going to be there anytime something feels a little scary. On the other side of things, it feels a little bit different when something is is kind of not right for you or it really isn't right for you. It feels a little bit more like an obligation or like if you move towards that, you should do it because other people say or because it feels necessary versus if you move through that and paint the picture in your head of, all right, let me feel into what it feels like if I have already done it and it doesn't feel expansive and good, it might actually just be a wrong for you thing. And often whatever we have any kind of confusing thing, it's going to be skill, experience, practice, and your discernment's going to get better and better over time. I can tell you there's been plenty of times where I've done something that was wrong for me when I thought it was right for me, but in reality, I just had to listen to myself. But you know, sometimes you got to go through something and feel into it before you can really get a, a clean, clear, objective answer to that question. Can you think of any specific example where, like you just said there, where you've yeah. done something? Yeah. What's yeah, a, absolutely. A, an example? The, the biggest one for me was um, I got really burnt out in 2019 and it was a challenging time. And the thing that I thought I had to do was scale my company really quickly. So I have a coaching company and it's had a lot of evolutions over the years. But at the time I was running a 90 day group coaching program that had 30 people in it at a time and there were no breaks in between. And we had events every quarter. And I also had a second program. It was a mastermind and I had courses and it felt like I needed to go quickly. And in order to be respected as a a woman business coach. I had to reach a certain financial milestone and I had to figure it all out a lot more quickly than I could really handle it. When Mm -hmm. in reality, I'm a much more flowy person. I like having space on my calendar. I like not knowing exactly what I'm going to be doing in two months. There is a level of consistency that a business needs, but I I like not knowing and I like being in the the freedom of that and having so much rigidity made me kind of sick. It made me tired. It mm. made me fairly exhausted. And yeah. I, I thought that I had to push through, but my body was giving me very clear signals that it was a no for me at that mm. time. So was that, um, was that you, apart from you feeling like that, um, Hey, you wanted to maybe approve a little bit as a female business owner to scale fast 
did you find that your mentors were like that was the message they were putting out like it's all about scaling yeah kind kind of I would say that there weren't a lot of people you know with the devil's advocate like hey you don't have to go this fast and that's okay I think that the culture that I was in at the time and the people that I were around I was I was in like fantastic masterminds with amazing entrepreneurs and people and I was learning a lot and I was excited but I didn't fully know myself just yet and being around really high level entrepreneurs and people you know I projected that I I had to be that even though it wasn't necessarily this message that was jammed down my throat but those are the people that I chose to be mentored by and they're amazing smart mentors and it was more of my own my own thing rather than like this this thing that other people were shoving down my throat or or what have you and I think that perhaps it would have been helpful if there was someone on my shoulder that's like you don't have to do it this fast and how are you and that just wasn't the context of how I was um, the the masterminds or the coaches that I chose to have. It was very business centric and it was very, um, essentially the structure was this. I decided what I wanted to do and those people helped me do it. And what I do with my clients now is I like to check in and I'm asking, are you sure you want to do this? And here are Mm -hmm. the pros and cons of what doing this might look like. And here is how much energy it might require of you to do and execute this thing. And here's the reality of, let's just say, creating a membership. When you have a small audience, that might be a heavy lift. It might not be the easy passive income thing that you think it's going to be. And I like to essentially give all of those things and it's a little bit of a less sexy marketing strategy and you know it's not as exciting as I'm going to help you make a lot of money really quickly like a lot of people do but Mm. for me it's the thing that I really would have loved to have and I'm glad to offer it to people now even if it makes their journey a little bit more slow I think it's great that it gets to be just a little bit more sustainable for them. Mm, I love that. I'm all about the same thing, sustainability. Um, yeah. You know, before starting this business, I come from a coaching company where it was all about going from basically zero to multi six figures in six to 12 months. And it was almost yeah. like if you didn't get there, you were classified as a failure. And it was <laughs> intense action. Yeah. <laughs> doing so like intense. really intense stuff. All and I saw so many coaches. <laughs> oh, there was girls in there as well, but less, oh, it was very masculine driven, right? Yeah, for um, sure. And I just saw I saw so many coaches fail, and that really shaped my approach in how I wanted to do things. And I'm all yeah. about doing it uh, in a sustainable way. Like um, I technically could have built my coaching business a lot quicker if I totally. just worked way more. But I'm like, hey, I got a family. I like to surf. Yeah. I love yeah. work, but I also have a life outside business and I don't want my life totally. to be business. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And yeah. So I'm definitely, yeah, I love that. Definitely love that. Yeah. I think um, it's a good conversation of like, um, whether or not business is your number one priority. And for some people it is, and that is awesome. And it's such a great pathway. And obviously there can be some 
pitfalls to that. But if you're really choosing it for yourself and you're like, this is the thing that is most energizing and exciting to me right now. And I feel like I'm excited about my vision and I have the energy to do all of the things required to like birth this. And it's a choice rather than feeling like you should or someone else is going to make you feel like a failure. But for a lot of people, business can be like, second or third or fourth or fifth and you know I have a couple friends mm. I have a good friend she has like a full career in um, nonprofit, and she also has a coaching business and she always felt like it was um she's very smart so good at what she does but her coaching business is not her main thing and she really appreciated when I said coaching doesn't have to be your ma- or business doesn't have to be your number one priority in life it can be like your third fourth fifth or second or whatever and you can have a full life outside of that and you can use your business as a tool to create the life that you want rather than building your life around the business that you want. Mm. I mean, I, I think like a lot of people get into business and they forget why they get into business. It's like, why do you want to start a right. business? And most people will say, well, I want money and I want freedom, right? Yeah. And then in the pursuit of getting that, they become so trapped in it and controlled by it where they basically it becomes their life and they forget the outside and the reason why they're doing it, which is what's the point? Yeah. So yeah. Um, um, something came up there. It's gone, <laughs> but it's all that's good. Okay. I had one thing um, I could add to that if um, that's yeah, cool. Just one, one more. It, the question might come to me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, one thing that I, I like to do and that I've, I did for myself once and then I've given it to some clients and it's been really helpful is to write out what I call an ideal budget. And it has multiple layers to it. But the first layer is basically what do I really need financially when I map out how much I want to spend on my team, how much I want to spend on myself, on my personal finances? What do I need for taxes? What do I need for investments? What do I need for my living expenses? And what do I want for experiences or clothes or travel or the extra stuff or a car or how much do I want to save every month for a home? And if you map out an ideal budget for yourself and you really sit with not just what do I need to survive, but then a layer above of what would I really like to have? And then a layer above that, which would be like, this exceeds expectations and this would be awesome. But you know mm. where all the money's going to go. For the most part, a lot of people can pick something out that isn't a million dollars. And yeah. you're like, oh, I can actually see where all that money's going to go. And I don't need that much to have everything that I currently believe that I want and I could definitely have more Mm -hmm. and ideally it's not a limiting thing but it's a really nice exercise to kind of make it a little bit more objective for yourself to figure out what what might exactly work for me as a person with the life that I really want to have yeah that's a good one and I, I think um this is what I've learned is that you can get away living with a a lot less than you realize um, yeah. When I was working a high-paid job, um, uh, and then going to start the business, you know how it is—you got to cut back all your your, your spendings and everything like that. I'm just so surprised yeah. of what I was living off compared mm-hmm. to what I can still comfortably live off. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Right. So that's Very a really true. good exercise, Amanda. I got a, I've got like a couple of questions here that I've written down that I want to oh, finish this thing off with. First question. What's the hardest thing 
about running an online business? <laughs> ah, the hardest thing about running an online business is after years and years of doing it, it does start to feel like work. And then you realize, oh, I am 100% responsible for the success of this company. And I can't just fuck off, right? I got to I got to show up and I got to I got to work it so it actually works. And sometimes that mm. responsibility is is a challenge, for sure. Mm, interesting. So it's not <laughs> it's not always like it's not always a hey, once I once I hit that, you know, that successful level, it's not always like the dreams there. Yeah, the dream that we all have in our mind. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, I do have a job and that does require a lot of effort and work and I have to manage people and I'm still going to do it. It's going to be it's going to be better than maybe not doing it. But I think it's not necessarily for everybody because it does require, you know, if you have a business partner or if you have multiple team members at the end of the day, if you're the founder for a very long time, the success of the business will be heavily dependent on your energy and the energy that you put into it. And it's, mm. it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of energy management and a lot of skills to learn and things to figure out. And you got to kind of be in it regularly mm. all the time. Def. Yeah. All right. What's a huge mistake or failure that you've had in your life that in the moment killed you but now you look back <laughs> and it's like you're so grateful for it. Um, a huge mistake and failure. I would say the biggest one, I have I have an um, article on my website, which is kind of funny. It's like the biggest financial mistakes I've ever made. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just so, it's so funny. So at the time I had it was my first year of making multiple six figures and I didn't have a team or expenses and I just had a lot of profit and I was in a mastermind and the, um, one of the speakers offered to do, um, Facebook viral videos. And to me, I had a YouTube channel, a podcast and an Instagram. And for some strange reason, I think when the YouTube space, people really value views and followers versus in the business space, people value like profit and customers. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I decided I was going to do this viral video thing because if I maybe needed fo Facebook followers for some reason. And then I spent $50,000 doing this Facebook viral video thing that literally <laughs> came out to nothing. It was very pointless and very silly. And I, I'm obviously in a privileged position to spend that much money on something very silly, but it was, it was definitely a mistake and I definitely learned from it. And it was, I, I, I again, I had expendable income at the time, but it was totally a mistake. It was silly. So is that, is that a $50,000 course or as in it's like you're hiring it was, I, I, um, yeah, it was, people we hired, to kind of do it all for you? Yeah. Like we scripted the videos and um, they came and shot them with me in LA and then, they used their network to help the videos go viral. So I would get Facebook followers, basically. Gotcha. There you and go. now I don't care about um, Facebook followers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use it at all. What, uh, what, um, what message do you think online coaches need to hear right now? <sighs> I think that they need to hear that the more you listen to and learn about what your inner wisdom says and 
not outsource your power to influencers or coaches or other people that you think are more successful than you, the better off you're going to be. And just view people, whether they're influencers or people that are more successful, as people that have more information than you about that particular topic, not as someone that you're going to outsource your decision making and your power to because maybe you feel insecure or you feel like, yeah, insecure with maybe your level of success, but it doesn't make them better than you and it doesn't make you less than them. Mm. So true. Yeah. Awesome advice. Um, so you got a, like a number of pretty exciting projects going on at the moment. Which Couple, is, yes. I think that's the great thing. <laughs> like I've seen you got like a few things and now that you've, I've found out about the book as well. Um, is there anyone that you want to talk about and, and, and mention? Like what's something that's like really, what's the most exciting project that you got going on right now? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely a couple and you find them on my Instagram. There's always a few things going on. But the thing that I think is the most um, helpful for other people and that is something you can go click on and take away is the entrepreneurial archetype quiz and assessment. And it's something that I built two years ago. It's my new company and we have a platform that essentially helps entrepreneurs understand who they are at the core and understand how to build their business with educational tools, resources, and information that are organized from a lot of different people. So our goal is really to decentralize the information that you have to go seek for from a lot of different content creators and educators and put it in one place so you can have an easier, more accessible time building your business. But also, you can take the quiz and figure out what your entrepreneurial archetype breakdown is, and it helps you understand what your style of entrepreneurship is on a pretty deep level. There's a lot of information that you get after you take the assessment, and it helps you understand how to structure your business model, which offers would be best for you to pick, which business partners and hires would be best to get supported by, and ultimately, it's this one big permission slip to be yourself. So the link for that is eauniverse.io slash quiz. And you can take the quiz. Sweet as EA Universe, is it? Yep. eauniverse.io slash quiz. Quiz. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So um, where can everyone, everyone that's listening to this and they're like, I'm loving, well, they're still listening to this. They must be loving your vibe, Amanda. So where can they find you? Yeah, check me out on Instagram at Amanda Bucci and TikTok Amanda Bucci official. And uh, you can find the entrepreneurial archetype quiz content there as well. And all the links are there. Sweet. Well, uh, thanks for coming yeah. on, Amanda. Um, when you've yeah. got your book going, if you if you want to come back on and we can chat about that, yeah, I'd love, love to that. have you back on. Yeah, but, thank you. I appreciate um, that. Really appreciate you actually coming on here. Yeah, it was great to connect with you. I, I appreciate it. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please, I really, really appreciate it if you leave me a review. And you can also find me on Instagram at Luke underscore page.